Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Weekend Preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell and today my co-host George Ellick and I will preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action in the company of Bet365's ever-reliable Steve Freeth. How are we guys? Reliable. Reliable. <laughs> George? Wow, what a word. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm okay, I think. I'm alright. I'm not sure where it came from, to be honest, because it's not true. How are you? I'm reliable. FA Cup midweek action. Not sure what I think about having midweek FA Cup action, but that's probably a story for another day, George. But your boy's Borough, Chris Wilder, still flying, still in the hat. Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, it was great to see Middlesbrough, um, a team performing pretty well in the Championship under Chris Wilder, take on Spurs and, and beat them in extra time. But the you know the thing to take from this isn't... It wasn't your usual cup set. Um, Borough battered them. Borough, Borough looked the better team, man for man. They had more possession. They dominated the ball in, in, in Spurs' half. They created the better chances. And they were good value to win the game in 90 minutes. And they were good value to win the game after extra time as well. Um, there, there's an interesting, you know, I've, I've spoken on this and, and other podcasts many times about about Chris Wilder. Um, Tuesday was, was a moment where everyone, um, even those who, who maybe doubted him after what happened uh, last season at Sheffield United, Everyone kind of doffed their cap and said, you know, that he, he obviously is very good. But there's an interesting divide where I'm pretty sure still, if I were to sit here and say, should he be in the frame for the United job? Should he be in the frame for the for the Spurs job if Conte leaves? Suddenly everyone would be like, whoa, no, what are you? I mean, that's way too far. And, I think um, I'm in that camp. Well, and, and I think that is the issue with the way that we view our coaches in this country and our managers where, you know, we're all too happy to, to build up um, the achievements of, of a manager but for some reason of them being unfashionable whether it's their their playing career or, or whether it's what they've done so far in management we seem to think that there is this, this massive leap where where just being good at four clubs in the EFL and, and overachieving with, with all of them uh, doesn't in, in, entitle you to have a crack at the big time when playing 50, 60, 70 times for your country does. Um, it's we need to change the mindset. I'm sure um, his agent, who um, I used to watch playing football on Sunday mornings back in the day, will be absolutely delighted that you're uh, you're touting <laughs> Mr. Wilder I'm for surprised. such jobs. I mean, I, I, I've I'm, got to have the same <laughs> agent, Steve. They, the, they must have. The thing is, I I am not sitting here and saying that I think Chris Wilder should be the next Manchester United manager. I'm not saying that he's a better candidate than Maurizio Pochettino. I'm not saying he's a better candidate than Eric Ten Hag at all. All I'm saying is that. <laughs> The sheer snobbery about managers who achieve so much and can basically do all they can do in jobs, not even entering the conversation. Let's build up the the the, the few promising coaches that we have and get them into the conversation for the jobs. You know that nobody in this country has been so consistently successful as Chris Wilder at managing football teams, yet he's still managing the championship. It's a massive, you know, it, the, the fact that you've got 
Watford twice. Um, that you've got Newcastle. You've got these all these sides, West Brom even in, in the Championship, who appointed managers whilst he was out of work is a glaring oversight, and there is no don't, way. Don't rub it in. Don't rub but it in, George, about Wilder. There's don't. no way that he should have been attainable for a Championship club based on what he's done. But but, and I'm sure they I agree with that. And, and you know, it's I might for the first time ever I might sound a bit like Sam Aladici, but. You know, if, if, if he was Chris Wilderini, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. You can just imagine him walking into to the old Trafford dressing room to all those those egos and internationals there. Put your medals on the, uh, you know, on the table. And, you know, the Northern Counties East Football League Premier Division medal comes out. And um, uh, listen, I, I, but, but, I am but, with you. I, I, I know to... that. I'm just... We, we, we've, got, we, we've, we've got Ralph Ranić managing Manchester United right now. We've got Jesse Marsh taking over at, uh, at Leeds at the moment, which we're going to talk about in a second. Why is there no talk about what they've achieved as players when they, when they go in for these jobs? It's it's self sabotage. I'm talking about him managing, uh, but I, I agree totally. And, uh, and like I said, I'm sure uh, I'm sure his agent will be delighted. And Chris Wilder has done a fantastic give, job. And how you, I how I yearn him at the Albion now. You can give me. his agent my my, my number because uh, my, uh, my last invoice hasn't been paid. So I need. I'm to... pretty sure. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you've already got it, George. <laughs> I must be the first person with his accent just been labelled a snob. I don't think that's ever happened to me before. Yeah. Right. Let's let's focus on the Premier League. What we're here to do. But just before we do, don't forget that you can sign up to the Athletic at the moment for just a pound per month for the first six months to take advantage of that offer just visit theathletic.com slash football pod so george has already slightly alluded to it game one that we're going to look at this week is leicester v leeds which is the saturday lunchtime kickoff probably one of the worst kept secrets in football bielsa out jesse marsh in george you know anything about him a bit um helped by by reading phil hayes um excellent articles in the athletic this week um well done phil you know he's he's a manager who certainly burst on the scene in Europe with the job he did at, at Salzburg, um, having done a very good job in, in the MLS. At Salzburg, he took a, you know the uh, the little brother of the of the European Red Bull uh, family and turned them into a team competing at a very high level in Europe, dominance um, domestically, and everyone knew that when uh, Julian Nagelsmann moved on to Bayern Munich, it would be Marsh who would, who would get the job. And I think everyone was pretty surprised by how quickly things went wrong at um at Leipzig you know it, it felt like the the blueprint was there for success you know there's a contingency plan at, at, th- at these clubs that normally works pretty well but um he said himself as as Phil Hay mentioned uh, Marsh feels like if he had taken over from Raniuk rather than from Nagelsmann he'd have been in a much better position to 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 continue the good work partly that is because in Julian Nagelsmann, you've got one of the best, if not the best, um, tactician in, in Europe currently. You know, he's very much in that elite with with Jurgen Klopp and with Pep Guardiola, in, in my opinion, and is still learning very quickly at a young age. But there was a, a shift in style of play under Nagelsmann um, where they played three at the back when when Marsh favours uh, the 4-2-2-2 that, that Randick normally plays. There was a more possession-based style that Nagelsmann brought in, whereas again, um, Marsh is someone who likes to press high and then be very direct with the ball, and for whatever reason, it it just didn't really work. But it, it's you know, and, and clubs especially. I made the mistake the other day of saying that Sunderland getting Alex Neil in as manager was a coup, and, and some Sunderland fans didn't like it. And I'm pretty sure I make the same mistake here with Leeds fans. But I think bringing in for Leeds to bring in a manager who has recently taken one of the most exciting jobs in European football in the Leipzig job, which is you know was a springboard to true elite management for Nagelsmann um, for, to, to bring in somebody who's managed two sides in European competition recently 
when they are third favourites for relegation from the Premier League, it is a bit of a coup. It, it's They've got him on a, on a deal running until 2025 if they do get relegated this season and they want him. Um, Marsh will be their manager next season in the Championship and that shows the pull of a club like Leeds and it shows the pull of a of the Premier League and, and English football in general as well. Um, I'm excited to see what will happen. I, I My biggest pet hate with the way that football clubs are often run is when there isn't a clear plan, there isn't a clear way of playing, there isn't a clear contingency and succession plan. Um, but with Leeds, you, you cannot level that accusation at them at all. They identified... Marsh, um, whilst Bielsa was still doing well in his job uh, a couple of years ago, as someone they'd look to to take him take over from him, they've identified someone whose uh, style of play, whilst not being a mirror image of Bielsa's, is certainly influenced by him, and especially off the ball, means that all of the work that Bielsa's put in over the last three or so years as Leeds manager, in terms of teaching his side how to be, how to press, and, and encouraging them to be. You know, as fit and energetic as possible will translate perfectly over to the way that he wants to play. So Leeds fans are obviously disappointed that Bielsa's reign has ended and especially the way that it's ended as well. But I think there's there's only positive things to, to look at in terms of, of Marsh's appointment, except maybe you know, the fact that American managers seem to come, you know, I spoke about the stigma around our own managers, but certainly American managers in, in England seem to come with a bit of a stigma as well. Yeah, plenty of content around Leeds United and that appointment and Bielsa as well on the Athletics. So do go and check that out if you haven't done so already. Steve, what are your thoughts? Next three games, Villa, Norwich and Wolves, they could do with a little bit of a haul because the shipping goals all over the place. I know now the manager's changed, but they are in big, big, big trouble. Three bigs there. Yeah, massively so. And I echo Georgie's sentiments. I think it's going to be a very good appointment personally speaking to people that have been in and around him as well. I think training will be quite similar, um, quite intense as it always has been. But I think one difference that he will bring will be his relationship with, with the players. He likes to get very close to players. He likes to build relationships with players as well. A lot of meetings, a lot of video calls, get, getting to know their strengths and weaknesses, whether to put an arm around them, whether to give them a, you know, a telling off as well. Um, there's an interesting story that I was told about um, when he um, when he was at university, he, he liked to go and watch the rowers at five o'clock in the morning just to see how far they would push themselves to make themselves physically sick. It also made the dressing room a little bit more fun. Back over in Leipzig, they had a wheel of misfortune where there would be fines and they would have to, a wheel would go round and then certain forfeits for certain things. And one of his forfeits was to buy $300 worth of, sorry, 300 euros worth of shampoo for the dressing room. So you can imagine him going out to the local, to the local chemist or whatever and buying 300 euros worth of, of, of shampoo as well. So it's all, it will be pretty intense, but it also will be quite fun as well and you've talked about goals Dan um, Derby County had the record of conceding most goals in that disastrous Premier League season of 20, 2007 and eight, where they conceded 89 goals they've already conceded 60 so we're 6-1 to one about them conceding 90 or more so I think there's 30 or more they need to concede with the Marsh I think he will try and make them a little bit more defensively sound they'll certainly be better at set pieces both for and against as well and just regard to their points guys I normally ask your, your opinions as well Leicester away, Villa at home, Norwich at home. How many points? Three. Four. And I can tell you the, the three points George is saying will be against. <laughs> they'll be no. Villa. They'll 100% be Villa, Ellen Road. 100%. No. I've never been more certain of anything in my life. <laughs> well, well, let, well, let's hope so. Four to six points is even money. So you've nailed it there, George. And uh, six to four for one to three points. And it's the 16 to one to lose all three and 16 to one 
to win all three as well. Has it changed the survival odds, the the change of manager? Is it, is it done anything no, it's to it? Still, has it kept it the same? Yeah, it's, it's kept it the same. Seven to four then to be relegated at the moment. They are fourth favourites behind 12s on Norwich, uh, fours on Watford and 11 to 10 Burnley with Brentford just a little bit bigger at nine to four. So we're still kind of hopeful that Leeds will be uh, survive. They are two to five not to be relegated. So the odds are with them at the moment. I mean, you might come to blows in this podcast, George, I'm going to disagree with you again. I, th- I think this is a... This could be an absolute car crash because there's so many players there that uh, owe so much of their careers to Bielsa have done so much in Bielsa's image and Bielsa's name. Jesse Marsh has got zero Premier League experience. I mean, I I know it doesn't count for anything. I sound so old-fashioned when when I'm saying it. But, you know, you look at the managers down the bottom, only Dean Smith and um, Roy Hodgson have got the experience of being in a relegation battle. Now, I'm not for one minute saying... Leeds should hire Alan Pardew or Sam Allardyce or, or someone like that. But I just think because the players are so augmented in, in, in what Bielsa does, they're on such a bad run. They're so used to that set way of playing. He's been there three or four years. Oh, I think it's going to be really, really tough for them to stay up now. I, I get what you're saying. Um, and there is, of course, you know, when you look at the performances that Leeds have been putting in over the last couple of months there is clearly a massive risk of this going wrong because he comes into a club who are conceding so many goals and are playing fairly poorly for a manager who's achieved so much success. And you know, if you're putting Bielsa down as a still a massive net positive on in terms of their performances, then him moving on could, could mean things spiral even further. Um, this is not a bad time for Marsh to come in. Um, in his press conference today, he said the Bamford is close, Cooper is close, and Phillips are close. Yeah, they need them through. When those three luck. players come back in, this is a completely different side, especially Phillips. You know, a lot is said about, about Bamford and Cooper, and understandably so, they're, they're, they're clearly important players. But in Calvin Phillips, you've got a guy who, in what's a pretty crowded field, has, has become his country's starting centre midfielder alongside Declan Rice. He is as good as most players in Europe at his position. And given the way that they play and the way that they press having a defensive-minded, battling midfielder who can play is probably the most important position on the whole pitch for Leeds. So for that reason, and I know a lot of Leeds fans who wish that Bielsa had been given the rest of the season, have pointed to those injuries and said we should have waited until those players were back, until making this call. But it's when you're looking at succession plans, when the fact is that Bielsa was probably going to move on at the end of the season anyway, bringing through a manager to take charge at a time when things are about to improve in terms of personnel isn't the worst move because it should help him get off to a good start. Talked a lot about Leeds there. Let's touch on Leicester, Steve. Now, Jamie Vardy marked his return with a goal off the bench. Still going strong. I think he's about my age, Jamie Vardy. Still absolutely <laughs> lethal in front of goal. They still feel quite reliant on Vardy. Dakar's come in and shown in glimpses what he can do, but he's, he's not really put the ball in the back of the net that, that much. And Iguanacho has been quite quiet this season as well. What are the odds on Vardy hitting 20? I don't actually know what he's on at the moment, so I'm hoping he's got 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah, he's um, got, yeah, he's got 10 now. And I think it's an absolute brilliant the way that he comes on. And, and as an Albion fan who often seen Albion fans give Vardy stick over the years. He absolutely thrives on it and he, and he did it yet again. 19 minutes he had on the pitch on in midweek at Burnley. Six touches, two shots, one goal, one assist, I think it was. Absolutely phenomenal. So he's 7-1 to one to score 20 or more in the remaining 14 games. Even at 35, he's still... Okay, okay he's probably not as quick, but he can still frighten, frighten the life out of defences as well. Um, and he's still got the hunger. I think there's only Harry Kane who was... Um, 
been involved in more goals since he came into the Premier League at 20,000 and, and 2014. He's gone from top scorer in the conference to the top Premier League goal scorer as well. It's some career and the fact he just appears and now, you know, Leicester have, have you know, finally won an away going by at least two clear goals and kept a, a clean sheet as well. Um, I think he, he, his influence is, 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 is quite clear that he's a massive player for Leicester and they can push on now to try and finish in the top half and we think they can do that because they're 8-11 to to do that. Yeah, Leicester fans must not know what to do with themselves, keeping a clean sheet. Scenes, as the kids are. George, what's your tip for this game? I mean, you've got to think it's going to be goals. Um, and Marsh has said in his uh, in his pre-match press conference that he's been focusing on making Leeds better in transition. Um, he's changing the press, which is what we expected him to do with Leeds, normally adopting a man-to-man press. But he's looking for his, his lead side to hunt in packs. And these things may end up being beneficial, both in terms of going, you know, their attacking output and defensively. But Marsh's issues defensively at Leipzig uh, were, were were pretty well versed, and given Leicester's own attacking um, verve and their own defensive issues, I think this should be a pretty entertaining game for the neutral. So I'm going for both teams to score in both halves. So that's a bet builder with bet three six five. Both teams to score in the first half, yes. Both teams to score in the second half, yes. And that is a big price at nine to one. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Lifted over the top here for Timo Werner and aimed off the Havertz! Offside. Game two, Liverpool versus West Ham, the Saturday tea time kickoff. But before we talk about that, let's talk about that League Cup final, Steve. The best nil nil ever, easily. Yeah, good result for bookmakers as well. Um, I bet you've seen some nil nils in your time with some of the managers at West Brom, but this was a super nil nil. I think it was two weeks ago. I saw two on the bounce. So yeah, it's just yeah, a brilliant game as everyone's waxed lyrical about rightly. So I was actually watching the game thinking there's got to be goals in this. So I just kept backing over two and a half goals and then, you know, to, to reach nil nil. And then of course the penalty shootout as well was the icing on the cake. And that penalty spot seemed to get more wear and tear from every penalty that was being taken and with Mendy going off and, and, and Kepa coming on the, the scrutiny on him it felt like the Europa League Cup final all, all over again you know and, and, and of course it's changed you know from a Sunday morning football type of thing you kind of put your hands up who wants to take it and I was reading in The Athletic a little bit earlier more scientific approach from Liverpool neuroscientists men- mental strength training improving focus and things like that it's amazing how the game has just evolved and it was it, as a neutral it was it was a great final um, to watch and it was also a, a very good result as well for the bookmakers yeah Liverpool lined up with a front three George of Diaz Mane and Salah Salah not actually that prominent in the game I didn't think but Luis Diaz is incredible just Hit the ground, hit the ground running completely. Settled in like he's been there his whole life. A sensational footballer does literally everything you would want someone to do in a Liverpool front three, in my opinion. 
have they got a best front three? Is he now in it? It's, it's really difficult. Firmino now is essentially fifth choice. It, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, I mean, Diaz looks superb. Uh, his his uh, propensity for a no look pass is going to get quite uh, tiring quite quickly. He seems to he seems to every pass he makes, he seems to decide to look over the other shoulder. Um, but that, it's a no detriment to his um, to his talent at all. You know, he's impacting games incredibly quickly and the way that um, players normally when they come through at Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp there's going to be a lot of improvement to come as well it was really interesting I thought that the front three was um, was Mane through the middle and, and Diaz off the left and, and Salah off the right Sadio Mane hasn't played through the middle at, at Liverpool ever because um, when he came in it was of course him Firmino and and, and um, Salah and then Jota's come in and, and kind of vied for that place um, with, with Firmino so it was fairly interesting to see him do that. You know, Jota came off the bench. It wasn't a case of Jota being unavailable. Um, Mane didn't score. Um, and, and I have a feeling now, given the size of the game, are we now going to see it be a bit of a, a tussle between Jota and and Mane for that you know that, that spot through the middle with, with Diaz and Salah being the options out wide and, and Firmino, as you say, drifting out of the... Um, out of contention um, we'll see it, it's incredibly good for, for Jurgen Klopp to have so many options you know I'm sure we will see Mane still playing off the left as we used to when um, when Diaz doesn't play um, but this is the first time now where it hasn't been such a structured front, front three it's been a case of Klopp being able to you know obviously Salah's always going to take up his position inside right but in terms of the other the other options he's got he can shuffle his pack and not really seemingly uh, a much detriment to the strength of the team I think Mane might start to get the hump. He, he doesn't like being substituted. I think he's now going to be starting less games. I think that's going to be something that Jurgen Klopp's going to have to keep his eye on and manage because he didn't look happy when he was taken off in the cup final. Now, Steve, the treble is on for Liverpool, maybe even the quadruple. What are the odds on Bet365 saying? Oh, yeah, I looked at the liabilities in the week because these are you know big, big prices, small stakes. They soon mount up. So I, I wondered to myself... I wonder what the biggest price we've been Liverpool for the quad. You know, a few months ago, thinking, nah, they're never going to do it. You know, quite clearly, no one has ever won the quad before. It's unprecedented. So, 1,500 to 1, we've been Liverpool for the quad. And also 1,000 as well. So, we have a few hundred customers who have actually backed that. So it's, uh, I'm only talking small stakes, you know, um, you know fives, tenners. So, they're into 40 to 1 after after beating Norwich. And, of course, we were waiting for, you know, the draw as that. Um, as well they're in a great place aren't they with the Champions League I think they're 1-50 to to beat Inter and they're in 11-4 to to win the Premier League as well so they're looking very strong so roll on April the 10th of course when Liverpool play uh, play Manchester City God yeah can we just talk about that game for the whole show that weekend let's not talk about anything else let's just just talk about that game I hope it's still as close then as it is now because it'd be a shame if it's not because that's going to be really really exciting you've got a price on Liverpool breaking the Premier League record for most goals scored as well haven't you Steve? Yes, we have. Yeah, it, it, it's a big ask because the record is currently held by Manchester City, who have scored 106 when they won the league. So I think Liverpool have got 70 goals at the moment. So there's still a little bit for them to do. So they are 12 to one to do that. And with you know the the front five that they've got now that can be that can be rotating, you think that uh, you know you could get a bit of value for money for that 12 to one. George West Ham. Picked up three points. Felt like a big three points against Wolves at the weekend. Ruben Neves will not have liked the celebrations at the end of the game from <laughs> David Moyes. He looked absolutely delighted. But it was a big win because Wolves have been going well as well. They're 12-1 to 1 to get top four. Would you be backing them to get anywhere near it, George? 
I think they'll go shorter than 12 to 1 between now and the end of the season. I, I think they'll probably fall short. But I think there was a lot to like in this in this performance, in this result. We saw some tactical flexibility from David Moyes as he switched um, from a back four to a back three and it worked. Uh, they were the better team against Wolves. They were good value for their win. And off the back of what had been some pretty troubling performances, um, it, it did feel like maybe them coming out of the out of the poor run. Uh, Thomas Southcheck was, of course, a, a a big source of goals last season for West Ham, less so this time around. Um, so good for him to get on the score sheet as well. And it, it just felt like a, a team far more in control. You know, Declan Rice played very well uh, in terms of con- controlling possession. These are two, two teams who, in my view, play fairly similarly in terms of off the ball. They're happy to sit off and let the other team have it. And then they look to keep it in, in attack as well. Um, but yeah, West Ham... This was a big game for them because losing this would have brought Wolves properly into the top six picture. Um, but they, you know, kept them at arm's length. It was interesting to, to hear Bruno Large say after the game, you know, that we've come up against Arsenal and, and West Ham and, and got close to both of them. So we're, we're nearly there. So that just shows him considering Wolves just not quite able to break into that. But West Ham very much part of the picture. Yeah, Thomas Suchek's Dave. The three at the back actually might suit him. In some way, because he's had to adapt his game a little bit. He's got four goals in 33 appearances this season, which isn't as good as his record was last season. But I think there's mitigating circumstances, because I think Declan Rice has been a bit more of a marauding midfielder this season than he was last. So Suchek's kind of had to cover that off more than he would have done last season. But if they've got the extra security of three at the back, he might be able to get himself into the box a bit more. And, you, you know, that is a West Ham fan. You know, Declan Rice has been sensational. But you want Suchek getting in the box, because that's what he's good at. I was, I was surprised that he... The- before the game uh, last weekend, I was surprised that he don't uh, only scored three goals. And then I, I did read an article on the Athletic saying that David Moyes was a company it, man today. Have yeah. you done anything else but read the Athletic this week? It, no, and he was he was <laughs> he was saying how um, he needed to score more goals basically, and he was confident that he would be able to do that. Of course, it was a mainstay of my fantasy team last year. Was he in your mm-hmm. team last year, Suchek? In and out, I made some bad calls. In and out, yeah, and he and he's played a lot of football, hasn't he? An awful mm, lot of football as that. well. So I, th- I think I think it goes to show that David Moyes relies on him as well. He got double figures last year in goals. Hopefully, towards the end of the season, he can add a few more, like with the, with the change of formation, like you pointed to, Dan. What's your tip for the game, Steve? Well, Mo Salah, no surprise, has got a decent record against West Ham. He has against both sides, of course, but there is a bet three six five bet boost currently, and Mo Salah eleven to four, out to four to one to score the first goal. And, um, of course, the man is also on penalties as well. So that's an added advantage. So Mo Salah, 4-1 to one to score the first goal. Game three is Watford v Arsenal, the Manuel Almunia derby. Let's start with Watford then, George. A point <laughs> against Manchester. He played for both teams, didn't he? He played for both teams. Uh, yeah, so a point against Manchester United for Watford. But, George, you've noticed some glaring red flags when it comes to Hodgson's Hornets. I mean, there are a few. Um no disrespect to Roy Hodgson, who uh, has achieved some great things in in football. Uh, certainly, the start of his tenure at Crystal Palace started very well, and you wondered if they would get a similar reaction here. Um, but apart from the one 0 win um, at Villa, uh, they you know they've they've been fairly poor consistently. Um, it feels more like Roy Hodgson's continued um, the run of form himself from the back end of the of the Palace tenure. You know, they got a very, very important point at Old Trafford and I guess credit to them for that. But that was another case of Manchester United under Ralph Ranjit being incredibly wasteful. You know, the XG on the day was 2.41, 0.44. It felt like a game when watching it, it was a matter of time until United finally took the lead and took the three points. 
but they were unable to do so. Um, Watford had 10 shots in the game, creating 0.44 XG, given how poor United have been defensively in recent weeks. I, I wouldn't say that's too much to get excited about. Um, it doesn't feel like Hodgson is, is doing too much um, to improve Watford's chances of, you know, we saw Ranieri come in and immediately change the style of play and make them more attacking, make them a team who, who like to get on the front foot and press. And I feel like there was method in, in the Ranieri appointment. It was just a shame that his first few fixtures after he took over were against some of the best teams in the division. Hodgson, um, I'm not seeing any improvement. I think, the, if anything, the performances are getting worse um, and I would be very, very... Cont- I know Watford fans going to games aren't particularly happy with, with what they're seeing. It, it's what you'd expect. It's It's... To put it kindly, it's pragmatic football. To put it not so kindly, they're just sitting in, dropping in and looking to get men behind the ball and trying to create uh, chances on the break. I think when, you're, when you've are when you got the, the calibre of player that Watford have in their squad, this isn't a squad, in my view, that is devoid of technical talent and of ability. And they, they're, they're playing in a style that, that negates that. Um, and I, yeah, I'd be very, very concerned if I was a Watford fan for the rest of the season. Yep, and Arsenal, top four favourites now, Steve. Deserving of the dramatic late win over Wolves last week. I don't feel like there's as much rival factions in the fan base now in terms of of Arteta. I think he's actually punching above his, his weight now. I mean, I, if ever a fan base have a go at me on Twitter, it's usually Arsenal or Wolves. I got them very wrong at the start of the season. I hold my hands up. Arteta's doing a very good job, albeit that no one seems to really want that top four space except for them. Have they, have they stopped moaning about referees' decisions yet, Arsenal fans? I don't know. We're all, we're all guilty. We're all guilty oh, of that. I'm, I'm definitely guilty yeah, of that. I know. That's that's all you see. Ref this. Though there's a conspiracy theory against us. Blah blah blah. But barring that, yes, they are in very good shape to to finish. Could in get the... third actually. Third's not out of the question. No, no, no chance. Um, What's the odds will... on that, Steve? What's the... I'll put you on the spot. A big price. Double figures. Really? Double figures oh, at least. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal are four to five now to finish in in the top four. Um, clearly. Three wins on the chart, which is great. You know, the game's in hand as well over over United. They've got 11 more points than they had at the stage of the season, this stage of the season, of course, last year as well. Um, United dropping points out to nine to four. Spurs, you just can't trust. West Ham have played a load of games as well. And they seem to be, you know, in a good place now, gunning for that top four spot. No pun intended. And, and, and Smith Rowe got that winner against Watford in November as well. And he got the opener against Brentford recently as well. And I'm just reading that he's... Uh, be the first player aged 21 or under to reach double figures since an Elka in, in 99 if he scores in this game as well. So Arsenal are very short price to, to win this game. And of course, Arteta, I'm pleased to see him doing well. So as someone who's about to Arsenal to finish in the top four, you know, long may that continue this season. And George, Pepe was being talked up by Arteta before the Wolves game. He stated that a different Pepe had returned from AFCON. Does this version of Pepe have a future at Arsenal? Because he's been a bit of a forgotten man all season, really. You forget, I mean, he cost a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, the, the signing clearly hasn't gone to plan. But if you think to the back end of last season, Arsenal's good form, he was a big part of that. I think he, they, Arsenal fans come into this campaign thought this was going to be the season where, where Pepe finally started paying off you know, the, the fee that they'd paid for him. The crucial thing for me is that now um, Arsenal have so many options where they didn't previously. You know, you've got Saka playing in those advanced areas. You've got Martinelli who's able to play there. Emil Smith-Rowe having a fantastic season. Odegaard, I know that Odegaard and Pepe obviously played different positions, but when you consider the amount of, of players now ahead of Pepe in the pecking order, he's going to have to play very well to get in. And, and that, I think, is is the most important thing here. Previously in, in Pepe's career at Arsenal, he came in as the big money signing, that the man who would who'd, who'd basically be picked if fit whenever he was available. And 
it felt like there was a massive complacency issue in terms of not just Pepe himself, but the whole of Arsenal. Now he knows that if he's to have a future at this football club, he's going to have to play to a certain level in order to force his way in. Um, it's good to see Arteta talking before the game about him being a different player. He then comes on and scores a fairly important goal. There's no denying his talent at all. Um, and we've seen him in flashes, especially in the, in the Europa League, do it for Arsenal. But he's going to have to go very, very far to prove his worth now in order to, to start starting ahead of the players that I've already mentioned, given how high the bar has now risen um, and how high the standard should be at Arsenal. Dan, can I make a confession? Go for it. George, you as well. I backed Pepe top scorer at the start of the season. <laughs> a very speculative 200 to 1, just just, just for the way that you finished last season. You normally get a big price, three-figure price, finishing in the places. And I thought, who can it be? I thought, oh, Pepe finished the season. Well, this is going to be a good season for him. I can see him really kicking on in his Arsenal career. And I was relieved to see him at least score one Premier League goal this season recently as well. And I think I think he just had a baby as well, hadn't he? He was desperate to play in the game as well. So I'm just hoping he scores 27 in the final uh, final few games of the season. It's not over till it's over, Steve. What a ridiculous bet. <laughs> you work in the industry, honestly. What a, te- what a terrible bet. It's actually in the Racing Post pullout as well. Is which it? I've which I've burnt this the seven hundred thousand copies that have gone out. <laughs> yeah. Wow! What a shout! What a sensational shout! Through the centre, it's Burkamp. That's magnificent. Now this week, a lot of people were talking about that Burkamp goal against Newcastle twenty years ago, which is frightening. Mm. That should not be twenty years ago. I was there. I was there, Dan. I know. Well, you said you tweeted me earlier to say he was there. Taken at the corporate hospitality at St James's Park. It was great to meet Sir Bobby. And uh, yeah, it was a brilliant game that was um, to be at. And it was not a bad goal by Mr. Bergkamp. My favourite ever Premier League footballer, bar none. No no one comes close. I absolutely love Dennis Bergkamp. So of course I'm going to say he meant it. George, do you think he meant it? Yes, I reckon so. Yes. I think so. Excellent. Let's give let's give the genius some credit, I think. Yeah, exactly. If it was anyone else, I'd say no, they didn't. 100% 100 yes. Yeah, that's good then. We, we all agree. George, how do you think this one plays out? How many goals is Pepe going to score? None. Uh, well, you, you might score one or, or two. I mean, as uh, I've just mentioned, I'm not enamoured by what's happening at Watford at the moment. Um, I expect them to set up in exactly the same way as they did against Manchester United, where Arsenal should have plenty of the ball. Um, and Watford will look to keep it tight and stay in it as long as possible. I think Arsenal will win the game. Um, but given uh, Roy's... You know, he, he is genuinely good at setting up a team to frustrate and limit chances. So uh, Arsenal to win and under three goals in the game, well, under two and a half uh, at five to two. So basically backing either one nil or two nil Arsenal. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Game four is the Manchester derby, Man City v Manchester United, the one that trips me up every single year where I think, ah, no chance Manchester United go there and get anything, and they usually seem to, but I don't, I again, don't think that they will this time, but I've been wrong many times before. George, you, were, you weren't worried about City the last time we spoke about the title race last week. Since then, they've snuck past Everton and Peterborough in the Cup. Are you still not worried? I mean, they weren't good performances, were they? Um, certainly uh, I expected them as I said here to to um, scoot clear of Everton in fairness to, to Frank Lampard he approached the game in, in a better manner than, than we anticipated I thought he would look to continue with his his, um, his normal pressing style but they did sit in and look to frustrate Man City and, and try and keep the ball uh, keep City's possession in, in less dangerous areas and, and it nearly paid off uh, both in terms of of the the late goal of, that City scored and then themselves being denied a penalty, um, and then a midweek Peterborough, who you know for those who haven't seen much of Peterborough, they are the whipping boys of the Championship. Um, they look their performance against Hull last Saturday was one of the worst performances I've seen a team uh, put in in the EFL this season, and yet um, they made they made Hull look better than Manchester City, where you know they had chances at nil nil to even go ahead in the game, and City laboured until a couple of moments of brilliance from Phil Foden. And Jack Grealish um, turned the game on, on its head, and but it was individual quality that won City the game rather than relentless um, pressure. Uh, even if they did have fourteen corners in the game, um, but I, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too concerned. I think this game probably comes at a very good time for Manchester City, where rather than the focus being the title race, rather than the focus being on what's happened with, at Liverpool, have Liverpool picked up the points? Do what do we need to do? Derby Day is different and this is all about, for the fans at least, ensuring that they take the three points, that they don't let their rivals under a new manager get the better of them um, and I think being able to to play the opposition in front of them rather than playing the, uh, the another team um, who, who aren't necessarily playing on the pitch will suit. So yeah, th- there's no denying that right now it feels like Man City are playing the worst football um, of their season so far. But that doesn't necessarily concern me as to what's going to be coming up soon. Right, now Steve, last week we went on a little trip without George. I got my comeuppance <laughs> this week, I'm, I'm afraid. I had a little, bit of, a little bit of bad news myself. I got told I was being rested on Tuesday when we were recording the Athletic Football Podcast. But I think I got dropped. I'm going to be honest, I got dropped for Neda Manua and Mario Balotelli. I don't know whether you saw oh, this. No way. I mean, not bad people to be getting dropped for, but you <laughs> yeah. know, I was, I, was, I was a little bit hurt. As I said, I was told I was rested, but I've taken it as, as, as a dropping. <laughs> Mario Balotelli, unbelievable character. I don't know whether you've seen any of it or, or read any of it, but the, the podcast and the written piece are well worth checking out. It's easy to forget he was 19 when he won the Champions League with Inter Milan, so that's younger than Saka, Foden and Jacob Ramsey, who are all playing Premier League football at the moment. He helped City to their first title a decade ago and had some great times in Manchester derbies as well. He seems like he's calmed down a little bit, which I'm going to say he probably needed to do. Yeah. Do you think he's been unfairly treated by fans and media in the UK? I think the perception of him, I think what you've described there is is an undoubtedly a talented footballer. I didn't realise that he was, without checking, that he was actually that young when mm-hmm. he came to Manchester City. And you kind of just remember Balotelli as... I don't know, 
wrongly the fireworks in the bathrooms that's the, and, that's the only thing and, i ever yeah, remember the fireworks yeah. and things and the goal like with that. his shoulder the goal yeah. with his shoulder I like exactly that and then the t-shirt at old trafford i mean this is a guy who uh, you know very young who, who won the premier league with manchester city in his second season scoring 13 goals from 14 starts he set up aguero for that winner that iconic winner against qpr as well coming on when 2-1 down on 69 minutes for them to win 3-2 as well i know he had two red cards that season against liverpool and arsenal as well at the end of the season he went to the euros and he got two goals for italy in that european championship semi-final as well and I spoke to somebody who was at a Puma launch uh, for new boots in, in 2014 with, there was Fabregas there, there was, was Royce. 2014. Yeah, 2014, <laughs> sorry. And he was hosted, hosted by Thierry Henry. And he just wiped the floor with them in, in all sorts of uh, events with the football. You know, it just skill. You know, his legacy from, from a, a Premier League fan's point of view will not probably remember all that. They will just remember the fireworks and, and, uh, and a young kid that was quite uh, seemingly disruptive. But he was a hell of a player. If it applied himself, I'm sure he could have been, I'm not going to say as good as Messi or, or Ronaldo. Well, but he, he said But he possibly said not too far behind, sure, because he, he, he had undoubted talent. Yeah, he, he definitely said the same. He said he, he had all the ability that Ronaldo's got. He just didn't apply himself in the same way. Let's talk about Manchester United now, George. Ranić's first Manchester derby. How should he play it? Well, how should he play it or how will he play it? Because they're different things. Um, oh, feel, answer both. feels like a rinse and repeat of last week where you've got a manager who who generally looks to to get his side pressing high, who has a very uh, a very obvious style of play. Um, and, a, and a pretty rigid formation uh, and system that he likes to play with. Whether or not pressing City high is, is a clever thing to do, I, I clearly don't think it is. But having said that, we've seen teams dominate possession against this Manchester United side in recent times. Even you know Villa, when he played them a couple of times in that week and, and somehow didn't manage to get past them either time. It was, it was Villa who had all the ball in, in, in those games. So I, I have a feeling it'll probably be a... a a mid to low block looking to press high using the you know the front players to press rather than than a midfield um i was surprised to see you know well i guess it's because ranić hasn't managed particularly often in the last decade but this is the first time guardiola and ranić have ever faced off as managers before they never played against each other in in the bundesliga so we don't have any data there to to go by two managers who who their style of play uh, lends itself pretty well to um to to good games of football and, and it should be a clash of styles with a, a pretty important um, game for both before you even think about the derby. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd have thought, as they normally do, City should have the majority of the ball. Um, but, you know, Oli Gunnar for all of his, his flaws, had a very good record in this game. So the pressure's already on the interim manager to, to, to do the same. Manchester United, points from the next three. Manchester City, Spurs and Liverpool. How many points are they getting? Well, this is probably run of the first tough games, really, that, that he's had in charge. Rangnick, I don't think they've played many top six sides at all. Maybe just one in the 13 games that he has been in charge as well. So I'm going to ask you guys, actually, we have got a market on how many points they will get. Oh. Uh, is that Rangnick on the phone? <laughs> Ralph? It's Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder's agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a landline. So then, <laughs> someone's got it. Yeah. So the, how many points will, will United get from their next three games? Manchester City away Spurs at home Liverpool away three tough games I mean I think I asked you Steve we are actually 13 to 2 Dan for them to get zero points from this game and, and 50 to 1 for them to get nine points so clearly there's a big difference on 
on that. We, the favourite is actually one, one to three points yeah, at four to three. five. Mm. Yeah, so... It's, 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 zero. Yeah, 13 to two. Yeah, it's... Uh, they've. I mean, the, the, the teams that they've dropped points against, Newcastle, your boys, Dan, Burnley, Southampton, and of course, Watford as well. Um, it, it's a big test for their top four credentials and, and we still think Arsenal are favoured in that market. But they have created more chances than anyone else since Ranić's been on board. I think I think I saw that earlier on in the week. So you know you need some players to start doing some stuff for him because quite a lot of it is actually right. He won't be in charge so next far. season though, will he, Ranić? No, no. Well, who, who will be though, Steve? Who do you, who do you think is going to be there? The, the managerial search has started. It feels like something we've said too much yeah. over the years for Manchester United. Yeah, Ten Hag is, you know, there's interest in him. You know, he wants all the reports recently have, have, have been for him. He wants the job. Uh, you know, the fans want him to have the job. He's not actually favourite. Um, Pochettino is favourite. But it's it's something that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I think if Manchester United are slow here, we could see a bit of a, a merry-go-round with, with Pochettino actually going to Real Madrid. Um, mm. I know you probably think that Ancelotti, well, he's doing all right. He's, he's, he's top of the league, blah, blah, blah. They... They're struggling, of course, in the Champions League against um, Pochettino's PSG. They lost to Bilbao in the Copa del Rey as well. And what could possibly happen, maybe if Pochettino does go to Real Madrid, Ancelotti... Don't say it. Don't say it. Ancelotti to Manchester United. Ancelotti was the first choice when Fergie actually um, actually left. Um, How do they go I, from Ancelotti to David Moyes? Out of interest... I do not. I do not know. But, you know I, I, I know who I'd rather to manage my football team. And it's not Ancelotti. Yeah. So. I mean, really? it's a short term. It's a short term fix as regards to Pochettino being a long term one, where it'll 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 unite everyone. It'll be out in the training ground just a little bit. But if you want it long term, then Pochettino will be the man for me. It's got to be Poch, George. I should have been him so many times already. He just has to be, and they've got to go all out for him. He's the right fit. He's the right manager for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with with what Steve's just said, though. I, I think Poch would be the best candidate and the best choice. Um, but I also think that he would probably rather the Real Madrid job. And I think he's probably in line to get it. And because they, it's not the first time that they've been linked with him. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not an Ancelotti fan. I've got to say, uh, I, you know, he, he lives off those. There's no champions. Chris Wilder. He, no Chris Wilder. He, I mean, you, you joke. I, uh, I don't think he is. I mean, you, you look at Ancelotti's records. I mean, that is going to land me in so much trouble with some people listening to this. Oh, well. I'm going to quote that. I, I, I mean, I, I, think I've, I think I've even tweeted it myself. It, I, I think Carlo Ancelotti is... I mean, he has uh, lived a fairly blessed life as a manager, is what I'm going to say. If you look at the teams that he's managed, you know, he's managed Bayern Munich, he's managed PSG, uh, he has managed... Um, Juventus and AC Milan and Chelsea um, and Real Madrid twice and he's only won is it six domestic titles in about 25 years I mean I how old is he George would you guess and you Dan how old do you think he is without looking 68 yeah 65 Mm, 62 I thought he had a tough paper round didn't he (laughs) (laughs) although he has looked the same for a number of years now he has not changed since I've been watching football one bit I just yeah I mean I, I think if Manchester United were to appoint Carlo Ancelotti as their as a new manager it would be a, a chronic lack of imagination and understanding of of, of the elite in, in, in managerial in, in the current managerial sphere um, I, I'd be Amazed. I mean, the other one that's interesting um, that's kind of popped up in the betting is Antonio Conte, um, who I, I'm sure if, if things do not go well at Spurs, um, I think there are probably a few people at Manchester United who regret not moving for him sooner. Um, and he could be in line for a return, although is his stock maybe falling at Spurs. Ten Hag is an interesting one as well. I think there are loads of, of, of interesting candidates out there. But at the same time, 
I've said it before, when you're appointing the manager of Manchester United, in my opinion, the question you should be asking yourself is, is this manager someone who could be as good as Pep Guardiola, as good as Jurgen Klopp? And if the answer is no, then you're wasting your time. Don't appoint them. Appoint someone who you think is going to take Manchester United back to the European elite by appointing a European elite manager. Um, I think Poch and... I mean, I think Ten Hag is probably the one with the potentially higher ceiling because we're yet to see what he can do at a club like Manchester United. We're seeing now Pochettino at PSG is doing fine. I mean, he's not going to be there next season, which which maybe tells its own story. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I... If Ancelotti turns up, I'd be I'd be very very disappointed, even as a neutral looking at the club. This this one has to be right for Manchester United. They cannot yeah. get it wrong again. It has to be the right appointment. Steve, what's your tip for the Manchester derby? Raheem Sterling, not scored has he against United ever? Twenty twenty three games, no goals. I'm going to go for the bet three six five bet boost. Raheem Sterling, first goal scorer, thirteen to two. Nice. Thanks very much, Steve. Let's finish with Spurs v Everton. Monday Night Football is back. The best show on television, in my opinion. Another very Spursy week, George, as they followed up an impressive win at Leeds, albeit with some shocking defending from Leeds United, with an FA Cup exit to Championship side Middlesbrough, FA Cup specialists. Charlie Eccleshare, Spurs writer for The Athletic, has been writing about this maddening inconsistency. But has Conte actually made them better, George? Yeah, I think he has. I think purely because the good performances are better. Um, and we're seeing certainly Harry Kane in, in much better form. Um, I think except for the opening day win over Manchester City, you'd be hard-pressed to say that, that Spurs haven't improved from the from the Nuno um, short era. Uh, but there are, there are clear issues here um, in terms of, of certain individual key players. You know, we're seeing... Hyun Min Son, um, probably in the worst form he's been in at Spurs, despite scoring a couple of goals. If you're looking at him game to game, he he looks out of sorts. We're seeing Pierre-Emil Hoiberg probably in his worst of the run of games as well. Harry Winks has been brought back into the side and isn't necessarily doing a great deal to show why under Antonio Conte, even though he's a player that I think has been unfairly cast aside because um, at his best, you know, he was he was a fairly big part in, in Spurs' best team in recent years under Maurizio Pochettino. So... Hmm. Um, th- there are positive signs. I think it's going to continue to be inconsistent under Conte. I think we'll see more very good performances until the end of the season. But defensively, they look so poor and pushing the fullbacks incredibly high, which is always going to be Conte's way of playing. And we're starting to see that work in an attacking sense. If you look at the opening goal, for example, against Leeds with Sessegnon providing for Doherty. But it's coming at a cost, which is which is at the back. So... As, as we've said on this podcast before, it's all about trying to build for next season, trying to make sure that Conte is, is happy to stay in the summer uh, and is willing to, to to take on what is going to be a massive rebuilding task. Steve, one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my life last weekend, Everton, the wrong end of Rodri's handball. They've had an apology from the PGMOL, but that decision was absolutely horrific. It also sets a bad precedent that they've admitted they were wrong, doesn't it? Because if Everton go down by a point, you know they've probably got valid grounds to appeal in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not into ref bashing. I, I, you know, and I do. It's I do. Like really, the, I'd blame VAR. For yeah, that. VAR. Yeah, I know. I, I, Lampard came out afterwards and you know mentioned names, this, that, and the other. Obviously, he's, he's hyped up after after the game. The adrenaline is flowing. He's frustrated. <sighs> What, I mean, what do you? What else do you expect to happen? I mean, what they do if if they do go down by a point, 
you know, it's, it's just bad luck as far as I'm concerned. Just just get on with it. So what? Just it's deal with it. It's a shocker. Yes, it, it was a, a bad decision. It didn't do it on purpose, I'm pretty sure. But Is it a shocker? I mean, it, it is. It's bad. Oh, I thought it was. It's like, I mean, it's, it's like a, you know, it's a 98%. Yes, that is bad. But at the same time, there is an ambiguity with the handball rule. And, and in terms of, of angles and where exactly it's hit you on the arm, it, I mean, I wouldn't say it's as bad as... You know, when a player's clearly dived or a player's clearly deliberately handled it. If they've, they've apologised for it, they must have thought this is horrific. No, no, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying it wasn't a bad decision. I'm just saying it's it, there's an un, there, in my opinion there is an understandable if as an understandable if maybe not acceptable level of human error that went into that decision. It, it's not a a cut and dry case. It's not like, for example, the um, sorry to bring this up, but the uh, the Hawkeye goal line. Aston Villa, Villa Chef United Chef yeah. United decision where that was Villa can never have but, anything but, go their way ever again no 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 but that no, was no, you're not. totally unacceptable and like you know there is something in place here to and there's there's no grey area that was just categorically a, a massive mistake from you know from, from, from those running the goal line technology here yeah I mean it, it's a penalty it should have been a penalty in my opinion I can understand why um, why one person in a hundred wouldn't give it because there is an ambiguity there. And as soon as we all just accept that football is a game of very, very fine margins where luck plays a massive part in basically every game, um, there are going to be teams who are unfortunate to get relegated. You look at last season at Wickham getting relegated from the championship into League One with Derby then docked points for offences in the season in which they get relegated. That is more unfair than what is effect- effectively human error in a game where human error has been around for as long as the game itself. I, I understand what you're saying, but I just think that is what VAR is there to, to stop. I just think it's so bad. Uh, uh, I'm more with George than you, Dan. I, I just so think, I yeah. We were, it's just... I thought we were brothers going on trips together. <laughs> <laughs> more like father and son, but yeah. Let's come to you about Anthony Gordon then, Steve. 21, the same age as Balotelli was when City won the league, I believe. Lampard is proving his ability to nurture young players again, but to be fair, he had a lot of football under previous manager as well. Yeah, he's doing well. It's good to see There's some some consistency from him as well. I think he's thrived since that one-all draw against Chelsea. This is a player who has shown glimpses in the past of what he can do. I think he went on loan to Preston. I don't think it, it worked out greatly four in there um, at, at Deepdale but I think since I've, I've just looked at the stats here he's actually he's got three goals to his name but he's he's had the most shots on target for Everton this season as well so with 13 so and he and he could be a, a surprise key personnel of, uh, of of Lampard's side to try and help him out and push him up the league so it's good and exciting for Everton fans and I'm sure they'll get behind him between now and the end of the season yeah, when you watch him, he's an easy player to like because he always plays on the front foot and tries to carry the ball forward. And he's a local boy, so the Everton fans are obviously going to like him. George, what's your tip for the game? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's another game where goals, I think, have to be the, the way to play this. It's, it's Spurs' defensive record I've just spoken about. Evan, Everton aside under Lampard, who looked to get on the front foot wherever possible, but you know don't look particularly strong defensively even if they did put in a good performance against City so over two and a half goals on both teams to score is 23 to 20 and that's the way I'll be playing this now, if you're not like Steve and you haven't read everything on The Athletic this week <laughs> and you're not already subscribed you can go to theathletic.com slash football pod and you'll be able to subscribe and gain full access to all the brilliant articles as well as ad-free podcasts for just a pound a month for the first six months that's theathletic.com slash football pod 
Thanks to Steve and George for joining me and thanks to all of you guys for listening as well. Remember to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss a show. Don't think you're here next week, are you, George? I think we've got to draft in a, a replacement mm, for you. Sadly. Yeah, I'm I'm on a stag do. So Oh, okay. Mm, nothing I can Reasonably do about it, sadly. Excuse. I mean I could I, I could I could dial in from the stag if you want, but I might not make much sense. So Well Ali Maxwell will be with you. If you could get him on, he's he's a good good replacement. He's, he's terrible. Him, isn't no, he? I told him. He, he's taking <laughs> He's taking his fiance for a spa weekend. So. That was it. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, Steve. Let's try and get Chris Moyder. That would. Uh, that George. Leave it to me. I'll speak to his agent. Don't worry. I'll sort it. I'll sort Chris Moyder was on the pod. What a replacement that would be. Let's do that. Let's try and get Chris on the podcast next week. Mark Chapman's going to be back on this feed on Monday. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy all the football. The Athletic.